know what a harlequin is? A harlequin's role is to serve. It's nothing without a master. DC Film Squadcast. This is the DC Universe podcast where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. Yeah, we're all big fans of what DC Comics is doing on the big and the small screens, and we want to make sure we talk all about it. So thanks for joining us tonight. Let's get started. My name is Scott. And I am Tim, and we are the Squadcast. Tim's here for two weeks in a row. It's a record. Two weeks in a row. Yeah. this Like, that's a record for this year, isn't it? Well, no, that's that's <laughs> no, not no, no, entirely no. true. We had January We had January. February. Yeah, so. But it's, it's, it's coming close. <laughs> Another couple episodes, and I will tie that record. Actually, did I, did I get January, February? Yeah, I guess I did. I, I got like about six episodes in a row. So. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It was okay. like I said, it wasn't until March. And yeah. Basically, you just lost March. That's all. That's yeah. all we're talking about. I can't remember. Did I do an episode before I went to LA? I think I did. Yes, because you talked about the fact you were going to LA. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. I mean, no, it was it was it was starting March first. It was it was yeah. you know, that solo episode. That was that yeah. was that was the beginning of the end for you. That was the beginning of the end. Well, <laughs> the end of March anyway. <laughs> oh man. Well. Like we just recorded a little thing for Patreon here. We kind of like, kind of like talk through like what we've been dealing with this past week. And Scott came up with the the title of it. It's going to be Quarantine Week One. No, I say Quarantine Talk. That's quarantine what Talk. I yeah. It. Okay. Yeah. It's it's going to be DC Film Squadcast Raw Quarantine Talk Week One. So there we go. <laughs> it was pretty fun. Yeah. I mean, we're all living this new reality, and it's kind of fun to see. You know, I, when I say fun, I mean like you know you got to find some fun out of all this because <laughs> it's you got to find it's, something. It's generally it's not a very pleasant time, but you know what we're living in new realities we're finding new ways to kind of cope with all this craziness and uh it's been an interesting week for both of us yes it has been so uh guys we just want to tell you we have a few other shows that we would like you to go listen to part of the squadcast media network we have dc comic squadcast with chris and jordan dc tv squadcast with ray and whoever else is able to show up i'm there this week coming up this week aren't you i am coming up because we are going to talk about uh the season premiere of harley quinn season two on dc universe so i'll be there now we're going to do the same thing we did last time where we're going to, I'm going to be on this week to talk about the premiere and then we're going to wait and let yeah. some episodes build up and then I'll kind of, like we ended Harley Quinn last season where we just let some episodes build up and we kind of talked about a group of episodes at one time. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, I, I watched uh, some of that show because I like, I, Jamie has not seen it, but we went to watching a couple episodes together and I didn't tell her anything about the show and I put the thing on and all of a sudden like when some of the cuss words just started flying and some of the gore, she's just looked, turns at me and she goes, oh, this isn't for kids, is it? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it is not. It is, this is not a kid-friendly show. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, so we also have a couple of the shows, Fans Without Borders. That's with Brent and Ray just kind of killing it lately like i love some of their <laughs> their t- some of the titles and some of the discussions they've had uh a really great show and then lastly brent we found a little corner of the universe for him so brent and brock have marvel Squadcast, which is going to be kind of dead considering that everything's been pushed back <laughs> by like two years yep yep so it's you know and it's the, the mantra of that show has always been you know do it whenever there's like something relevant to, to talk, talk about. about yeah yeah so and we have patreon over at patreon.com so squadcast media where tim finally put dick tracy up yes finally put it out there and it is because of my hiatus you know i was unable to uh, finish that thing off but got the thing out there as promised and we have it scheduled now scott well well we don't have a day exactly scheduled but we have a general idea we have a general idea and people are starting to watch the film so that's that's being 
being a very generous term to use for Catwoman. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, and this is, like I said last week, this is what we do for our patrons. We are reviewing Catwoman. Have you finally watched it? Have you seen it all no, the way through now? No, I haven't. I'm going to watch it tomorrow night. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I just, I, I just, I, I'm going to hold on to my phone because I want, like, the te- like the live text reactions to oh, that movie. Should we, Scott, now, you know, we talk about, like, original content we could do for Patreon. Should we do a commentary track for this film? I haven't seen it yet, so I don't. I don't. I don't think. I, I don't think I can. You know, I've, I've. I've. I've made it known. I've already seen this movie. I've already seen this movie twice. I'm sorry. But seriously, honestly, okay. If this thing, if this thing is like added to like Netflix or something, I feel like we need to do a commentary track. Something where everyone who probably doesn't own it could actually listen along with us. Yes, because I've refused to own this movie. <laughs> I, I, it's even on sale right now. Is you it? can get it for seven. It's it's on sale for seven bucks. Sounds like a bargain to me. And I'm no. <laughs> that is too much <laughs> oh wow so anyway so yeah we are biting the bullet uh and we're we have like four of us that are watching a film we'll see if we can all show up for the review but yeah uh stay tuned for that one like i said okay. we're doing this for you the patrons <laughs> yeah no one asked for cat again <laughs> except for was it Co- cory was cory you asked well cory wants us to watch it because he feels like this is going to be the one chance to finally unseat howard the duck it's i'm sorry Cor- it's not going to happen i don't know i i this cory i'll give you the happen. i'll give you the benefit of the doubt i haven't seen it yet so like you know maybe it will uh i i don't think it will but who knows you know it might surprise me it's not going to surprise you that much trust me no but okay. uh, one thing i would do want to say about this thing is like we kind of joke like you know we're kind of reviewing all these films in order and uh this is this is one that we we just got to get through it from what from everything that's been described to me about this film it sounds like we just need to get through it but like guys we have have we got a bunch of films coming up Oh my god! There's like a run of like amazing movies yeah. that we're about to hit. Yeah. So. so anyway, for those of you that are able to help support, uh, that's what we do. Uh, we try to thank you and you know help you for your support and try to put these out as quickly and as often as we can. So. All right. So Warner Media has a new CEO. Did, okay, who 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 vacated? Who is this kid? No, who vacated was Stanky. Okay, what happened with him? I didn't realize he vacated. Well, so he didn't I vacate. Don't... He he was just like kind of assuming the role until like they oh. kind of restructured everything. Yeah, it was one of those kind of things. Oh, he was he was interim basically. It was kind of an interim, yeah. I mean, this is okay. so this kid, and I say kid because my God, this guy looks young. He's forty eight. <laughs> he's forty eight. He's forty eight. But he's he's a young looking forty eight. Very young looking guy. I mean, so this, his name is uh, Jason Keeler. Would you say Keeler or Kalar? Uh, I would say Kalar, but I have never heard someone actually say his name out loud. So yeah. I don't know the proper pronunciation. And I didn't have a chance to like. Usually, I try to find like a YouTube video so I don't sound like an idiot. Um, uh, so we'll say we'll go with Kilar. Oh, wow, you really you left that one open for me. I, I did. I just- I did. Like, I freaking threw you a softball. Like, I literally lobbed, I lobbed the ball at you. I know, but you've been gone for a month, and I felt like (laughs) taking pity on you. (laughs) So, uh, uh, so Jason Kalar has been named the CEO of WarnerMedia, and it's going to be beginning May 1st, which is actually going to be the same month that we're uh, supposed to get HBO Max launched. Which they've said is still on target for May. Like, they're not pushing back the release of HBO Max. So, imagine this. Like, you've been kind of waiting for this opportunity your whole career and actually this is just not i mean this is actually somebody that's got some pretty good accomplishments underneath his belt i mean founding ceo of hulu of hulu I mean, yeah yeah and then he's a senior vice president at amazon and he's like had another like uh, a startup but i think that was like bought by verizon or one of those companies i can't remember the name of it but it's it was 
like a, a streaming service. Uh, let's see. It's somewhere in the article. I can't remember. Yeah, because yeah, he was the senior vice president of worldwide application software from Amazon from 97 to 06. Oh, yeah, here it is. Co-founder and CEO of Vessel from 2013 to 2017. Uh, but that little bird doesn't say who, who bought that. Yeah, I, I read it somewhere else. I think it was one of the, I think it was like Verizon or something like that. Anyway, uh, I mean, so this guy is going to be starting this new exciting job at probably the worst possible time ever. Because, I mean, he's going to be taking over, you know, uh, Warner Media, which is still very heavily dependent on ad sales and that kind of things for, you know, because, I mean, we don't have, uh, HBO Max is not going to be ad supported. You know, there's not going to be, there's not going to be uh, an ad supported version of it until 2021. But all the other uh, sub brands like TNT and, you know, all the other like uh, Turner, uh, I think it's Turner Media, uh, all these other ones, like they're so dependent on advertising sales. Well, that's just gonna, like gone, you know, that's just gone almost down to zero. Like nobody's like paying for advertising at this point in time because everyone's like kind of cutting costs. Because well, there's nowhere to go and get this stuff. Yeah. And so like, uh, what a what a tough time that he's going to be coming in. Well, and it's so weird because I, I, I'm looking at his, you know, his CV here. And this is a man you'd want in charge of your streaming service. For sure. Because he is. He is he is no stranger to the tech to the tech pros, to the tech prospects or from streaming. I mean, I was reading the article that he's credited with coming up with Hulu Plus, yeah, which was of course the the idea that you pay a little extra and you don't get the ads. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what that's what I pay for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so he was he was instrumental on that, and so that was like a real successful endeavor uh, that I get that at least in his article says he was responsible for. But man, like he's going to be coming in. He's it. You know, HBO Max is going to happen under his watch, but he has no control over it. Like everything that's being prepared for this launch, like he's not even involved in this thing, but he's going to be the one that has to live with it. So yeah. it's just, it's going to be, it's kind of a crazy time for him to be coming in. So, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at this, like he has no ability to shape the product pre-launch, yet he's going to be saddled with the results of whatever happens when it does launch. And, and, and also what an awkward time when a lot of people aren't going to have the disposable income for the price tag that HBO Max is going to be right you know charging so there's so there's like this problem with some people aren't going to have the money to pay for the service while other people would probably jump on the service because it gives them other things to watch while they're sheltering in place but are they going to pick something like Netflix where they can get for like what is it 8 bucks the cheapest I, I don't even know that's what... the che- yeah, that's the cheapest plan uh, you know and, and I always and I'm always unaware like what are the different like what do the different tiers get you yeah so like i mean so you know people everyone's kind of tightening up so like you know they're home now so like the idea is like well you know there's gonna be a lot of people binging so like you know subscribe to one of these services you know are so are are people going to be more likely to go to hulu or netflix instead of going to hbo max which is you know a premium you know and it's like double the cost of some of these other services so i don't know not only is it double the cost of the services it's a new service instead of just being a service that has been effectively grandfathered in. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean so man, it's uh he's going to be navigating some tricky waters here, I would say. And uh and here's the other thing too, like can they can they really build on that? Because I mean, Warner Brothers has a huge library. So like they need to 
if 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 they're gonna try to entice people to pay this premium, they need to really put it all out there. Mm-hmm. So it'll yeah. So we'll see what they what they end up doing. We really don't know um, if they're going to like you know if they're just gonna like put out a portion at a time and then you know rotate it out with another portion. We have no idea. No idea. So you know it's. <sighs> I don't know. I no, that's the thing. No one knows because right now I know that w- my state finally declared a shelter-in-place order, and right now it's set to go through April 30th. I'm not sure what other states have, so it's really we just don't know. Like I was laying in bed with my kids, and they were like, "When's the virus going to be over?" It's like yeah. I wish I knew. Yeah, we really don't know at this point, and it's going to be a tough environment. I mean, we have uh, without getting into too much of what's kind of happening outside of what we talk about, but I mean the uh, unemployment claims just went through the roof. I mean, it's, this is such an abrupt shock to the economy. Like we have, we literally have no idea what it's going to look like a month from now or two months from now or five months from now. Like, you know, so yeah, welcome to Warner Media. Um, Good luck. (laughs) That's all I could say at this point. But thank you for liking or release the Snyder Cut tweet. Yeah, apparently. Is that, is that in fact true? Like I never looked at it. No, it is legit. It is legit. Okay. And not, not only, and from what I've seen, not only did he like a tweet, he also liked a tweet of someone talking about him like a tweet. Okay. So it wasn't because, like an accidental, yeah. No, because, it, you know, there was the Abu Bakar who got the first one, got the first like, and then uh, John Garza tweeted about him liking it, and that got liked by him too. Okay. And what was great about the Abu Bakar tweet was like, he literally had an image that said Zack Snyder's Justice League. With the so, black suit. With the black suit. Yeah. <laughs> Just great. So who knows? We we have no idea. I know one thing uh, that's being said about about this guy is that he he's one of these guys that uh, strongly believes in letting uh, his team kind of like have a lot more control and not really necessarily micromanaging so much. So like you know, and I'm trying to find the quote here. Okay, yeah, here's the quote. Uh, basically, it says uh, Keylar's management style is one of a detailed oriented executive who nonetheless allows managers and other departments to run their own initiatives, according to one industry executive who worked with Keylar at Hulu during the streamer's early days. This person calls Keylar a positive and inspirational person who likes people to understand why the company's doing what it's doing with regards to its strategy, goals, and bigger picture. And it's likely to bring a Silicon Valley mindset of acting quickly and decisively in response to consumer needs. So, I mean, so that's that's kind of a, a positive thing. Like, we're hoping uh, that he does give Ants aren't off uh, the f- kind of flexibility and, you know, certainly not the uh, micromanaging that we've uh, apparently come had in expect. the past. Yeah, come to expect in the past. So so I think all these things, I mean, you know, for all of us, you know, we're all firm believers in letting people kind of execute their plan. Uh, and hopefully, you know, hopefully the fact that he's kind of like liking some of these things about, um, you know, Zack Snyder's Justice League means that, you know, he's, uh, he's kind of in favor of, you know, maybe these more creative driven type of endeavors. We just we we really have no idea have what no that really idea. means at this point. I didn't even know that the I didn't even know who this guy was. You know, it just and it was really weird when the announcement got made on April Fool's Day. It was like, yeah, um, mm, yeah, is this still, real? Real. Yeah. So anyway, uh, welcome and good luck trying to navigate these crazy waters. Well, kind of moving on, uh, let's talk about uh, Birds of Prey. Kathy Ann gave a real nice interview in the Hollywood Reporter, and there's just a ton of little tons of little bits of nuggets in there. But like <laughs> one of the first things when I read this article, it just really was, uh, it really hit home with me because it was exactly the same kinds of things that I've been thinking recently as I've been watching some things on TV. Um, the, the question was like, you know, it really sounds strange, but seeing fully stocked shelves at the grocery 
story in your movie was quite jarring. It felt like science fiction in a way. <laughs> and Kathy Ann laughed and she said, yeah, uh, I know what you mean. Even when I watch anything right now, I, I keep being like, they are standing too close together. <laughs> and I and I was kind of sitting there thinking, like we were watching some uh, shows, my wife and I, and, and I couldn't help but sit there and think like, oh my gosh, there's all these people together at a baseball game. Or there's all these people, like in a, literally they were walking through a grocery store and I was like, look at those shelves, they're all packed. And it was kind of amazing how how like you just kind of look at things a little bit differently right now see it's weird my brain has not switched that way yet yeah like i don't look at things that way which i I don't know if that says something about me or i i I don't know i just what i've been enjoying on twitter is the people talking about how the fact of you know we're we are in for a slew of pandemic inspired indie (laughs) dramas and television shows i'm just like and i just i just don't like no no i just i just want i just want to ban i want an embargo on it right now not right don't now. not right do now. it <laughs> let them all compete against each other a year or two from now and and let the best uh story kind of float to the top <laughs> and then we'll watch that one and then i no, and i probably still won't watch that one to be <laughs> honest with you oh i'll watch a documentary for sure oh yeah but i'm talking about like yeah. the, the you know the the, the indie the independent <laughs> film yeah dramedy i think it was <laughs> scott stamper's like oh you know that like we're just gonna get inundated oh with, yeah with independent dramedies of you know every every screenwriter is going to have their <laughs> pandemic screenplay yeah their angle on like how did how did uh, the coronavirus affect this storyline <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah there's going to be a lot of that i thought it was interesting how she mentioned because the interviewer did bring up that really that that one scene where uh, you know where Roman gets that woman on the table yeah. and like we all like everyone talks about how we all just went <gasps> during yeah. that scene and apparently Kathy Yan said she had to fight to keep the scene in the movie it wasn't about you know it It was interesting that she said that she had to fight to keep it in the movie because it made people uncomfortable and she fought for it yes I, you know I'm not the least bit surprised by this I'm not the least bit surprised by this because like even we even had that conversation like when we watched it, I think it was, it was such an uncomfortable scene but like it it had real meaning in the storyline and that's exactly what um, Kathy Ann was saying like I mean so this really kind of led to Canary uh, really seeing Roman for who he really was for the first time and uh, and so like the, ultimately as uncomfortable as that scene was like it, it's probably the probably one of the most meaningful things in that in that film in terms of like transformational yeah so, so I, I was I was glad that made it and then she kind of talked about and, and, I'm, and I'm glad she brought this up because the, the interviewer talked about shots from the trailer that yeah. didn't end up in the movie yeah and I remember this one the one where she says boo and then headbutts the camera yeah I, I, I actually was thinking like it was like a week later I was thinking about going huh that's not in the movie like it didn't it, it didn't occur to me until it just looked like huh but she talked about how apparently the police station fight was one of the sequences that they got to beef up right in additional photography and so when they got to do those reshoots and beef up the fight scene well some of the stuff they had shot in principal photography didn't work anymore and yeah. the boo was one of the things that didn't work anymore right. with all the additions they got to add yeah I mean I kind of reading the way it was described here it sounds to me like the the whole original scene or at least everything that kind of played out in the police station was was much much less and then once they really identified that as this is an opportunity to kind of really beef up the action and do a lot of really cool things which they did do some really cool things in that that police station fight scene like once they added all that stuff in like you know as you said clearly this thing just didn't work anymore but i th- this is kind of interesting like we we had heard that you know they really wanted to kind of uh put in some more fight scene stunts 
sequence, that kind of thing. And it sounds like it was pretty heavily, um, a lot of stuff was really added with this sequence. With this sequence and with the roller skate yeah. scene at the end, which is great. I mean, the police station sequence is one of my favorite sequences in the movie. Yeah. So I'm glad yeah. that that worked out well. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the things, I mean, and she even talks about it here about additional photography, you know, because she says, you know, she was asked, you know, were you guys expecting all the reports about the reshoots, you know, the way they were being portrayed in the media? And she goes, yeah, additional photography is built in the original budget of a movie, especially a movie of this size. I think for everyone in the industry or anyone actually on a team, it was like, well, duh, this is just standard practice. And she says, frankly, it's up to the reporters and a journalist to make it clear to the readers that it is not anything unusual. It's in fact, just standard industry practice, you know, going on like anytime we hear things. And I think it's just because of the shell shock that we've had uh, when it comes to DC films, when it comes to any kind of additional photography, like, uh oh, what does that mean? But she's, she's really bringing up a point here. And, and we've said this many times, like additional photography and pickups uh, at the end of principal photography is is actually very common. It's just when, you know, the question is like, okay. We have one glaring <laughs> example one. Of, when, of when it just totally screwed us over. Yeah. And and I would say, we I think we've really got two examples where there was a significant uh, a change to the film. Well, Suicide Squad and yep. Justice League. And, and I don't necessarily have a problem with the additional stuff they added to Suicide Squad, but like certainly Justice League is like, that's what makes everybody like, you know, just start getting the shakes and the shivers anytime they hear anything about reshoots, you know. So, but I think, you know, going back to this thing, you know, I am I am entirely sure that whatever, when they first got the first assembly cut of Birds of Prey, and they kind of looked at it, it, I'm sure it was glaringly obvious, like, we missed an opportunity here. We could definitely punch this up quite a bit, um, do a lot more stuff, you know, in terms of, like, the um, the beats of the film, like, hey, we need to have a little bit more action at this point. And, and, then, and it's great that they have that opportunity to go in and actually film this stuff later. Now, I, I caught on to this bit, too, because it, I feel I sympathize with Kathy Yan in this situation. So the interviewer said this, your film made 2.4 times its production budget, while a film like Ford versus Ferrari made 2.3 times its product its budget. However, because Ford versus Ferrari is an original studio film, its Monday morning headlines were a lot kinder than Birds of Praise, even though Birds made more money in its $33 million opening weekend, and it cost $16 million less. Birds is also a two-quadrant movie that's R-rated and very specific. It wasn't designed for mass appeal like Avengers. Were you frustrated by this double standard since the entirety of the comic book movie genre is held to such high expectations? Yeah. And her, and this was Kathy Yan's answer. Yeah, I think that you actually look at the details of the budget breakdown. I know that the studio had really high expectations for the movie, as we all did. There were also undue expectations on a female-led movie, and what I was most disappointed in was this idea that perhaps it proved that we weren't ready for this yet. That, that was an extra burden that, as a woman of color director, I'd already had on me anyway. So yes, I think there were certain different ways, certainly different ways you could interpret the success or lack of success of the movie, and everyone has a right to do that, but I definitely do feel that everyone was pretty quick to jump on a certain angle. Yeah. I have to agree with that. Yeah, I actually do, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I mean, I think there's definitely, there's definitely areas that they could have done better, certainly on the marketing side. I, I think it's kind of clear they, they kind of missed the boat in terms of really highlighting that this is a Harley Quinn film. I mean, they did with the images, but certainly the title of it, <laughs> you know, it just, it, it seemed like even after the fact when they had kind of like informally retitled it as like Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. I mean, it's, that's something I'm sure if they went back and were to do this again, they, they would have tried to, you know, try to build on a, quite a bit more. And I've, always, I've already kind of expressed my opinion that like, like I wish they would have built upon the pretty iconic and pretty well received Harley Quinn costume from Suicide Squad. Like I, I if they, even if they 
only had it for a little bit in the film. Like I, I would have loved to have seen that continuity a little bit. And plus it would also like reminded people like, Hey, this is the same Harley Quinn that, you know, everybody loved from suicide squad. And, uh, I kind of feel like maybe that's a little bit of a missed opportunity. And well, she, but I love how she dressed like, but Kathy Ann was against that. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, and I understand, I understand where she's coming from. And we, we didn't really talk through her quotes on that, but be, basically she said, you know, the entire creative team had, you know, just gone in with the idea that, you know, it, it, it was really about grounding the character and said, basically, you know, it's if she's no longer with Joker, you know, she was basically kind of associating that costume with Joker, like in the little choker around her neck that said Puddin' and things like that. So, like, I, I understand where she is coming from, but I think there would have also been value in, in at least having some sequence of the film where it was like, yeah, by the way, this is the same Harley Quinn that you had from Suicide Squad, and it's a continuation of that story. Like, I've kind of felt like they could have done both. And uh, so, I mean, if, if I'm going to sit there and second guess, like, that's one thing that me personally, I would have loved to see a little more continuity there, you know, so that it felt like it was, you know, directly carryover. I mean, it could have been like, you know, the first five or 10 minutes, like it didn't have to be much. So, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I understand where she was coming from in terms of like, she wanted to have, you know, Harley kind of stand on her own, but it, it, it does, it does disconnect the storyline from one that had a ton of appeal at the time. Uh, I, I still think that there's a longer cut of this movie <laughs> that, that probably did some of that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. In fact, I, I, I mean, because we know we saw some of the um, some of the set footage of uh, you know Jared Leto's Joker actually being used, like at least the in, the the interpretation of the character actually being used. So who knows? Maybe one day. Yeah. Wonder Woman 1984 got a new motion poster posted to Instagram. One thing I noticed though, they haven't updated the date on it. Oh no, that that's that's an old one. Is Th- that an that old post- one? That's they just old, posted yeah, it. So, n- well, it, it got posted on Twitter like back when you were like dark and oh, was sick. it? Okay, that's why yeah. it was new to me. Okay. Yeah, it was new to you, not to the rest of us. Okay. Because there's already a newer poster that they've released that was actually our cover art image last week that had the new date on it. Okay, well, that explains it to me. I'm like, well, how did they not, like, adjust the date on this thing? Okay, well, yeah, that explains you're, it. Yeah, you're, you're, you're just kind of... I'm coming out of my coma. <laughs> the world is quite a bit different than, than when we last were meeting together. But, uh, you know, I got to say, like, I, I, I'm kind of digging some of the uh, some of the, the artwork that they're putting along with this thing. I mean, this is... The, the colors are pretty striking with this film. I don't know ultimately how I'll feel once I actually see it, but I mean, in terms of like the uh, the feel of some of this promotional artwork, I, I think it's actually kind of cool. I know you weren't like a big fan of that one where we had the, um, like all those colors kind of like hitting you in the face. Uh, was it like a year ago? Yeah, it, it actually was. It was last summer. Yeah, it was last the first, summer. The first image, yes. Yeah. I actually, I mean, I've I've kind of been a fan of all this stuff, so I, I'm still kind of appreciating a lot of this thing. I mean, because if, you, if you're going to do this, like this gold Wonder Woman suit, I, I think all the colors that we're kind of using this promotional artwork, I think really is... Uh, compliments pretty nicely but man i don't know man when are we gonna see this thing <laughs> are we really gonna see it on that date i don't know we don't I know. really don't we really don't know so tell us a little bit about some of the sad news we got with the batman okay well andrew jack who is a dialect coach to the stars and he also has appeared in films he, he appeared in the the jj abrams star wars movies and he serves as the dialect coach on movies like Endgame, robin hood sherlock holmes alien vs predator lord of the rings i know the day i mean it's just it's just just this slew of movies yeah. and apparently he had been hired to be a dialect coach for the Batman and he passed away this past week at the age of 76 due to complications from COVID-19 so that just that just sucks you know it really does yeah so it was a tweet it was a tweet from Matt Reeves and it just was like damn yeah that's just, just you, that's the way you look at it especially since he's an older gentleman and he's one of those um, he's he's one of those more susceptible 
you know, areas. Yeah, for sure. And the sad thing is he was actually, and I don't know if he was on set at the time, but I mean, this happened like, was it a month after they had stopped filming? He went back home and somewhere along the line, he, he apparently caught COVID-19. I, I don't know. Once again, it kind of goes back to our, our very fuzzy information of how this virus actually, you know, yeah, operates. Know. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just a shame. Uh, it's really kind of sad. And I, I kind of started thinking about this thing and like, I, I think I have a handle on some of this, but maybe you know of a couple more, but like in terms of like people that are involved with, you know, DC films at this point, how many people have been directly impacted by this virus? So this was, you know, this is somebody that was supporting Matt Reeves, the Batman, but we also know Idris Elba yes. uh, actually came down with uh, the coronavirus infection. Uh, anyone else that we know of? No, not that, not that I know of. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's move on to some updates on the Suicide Squad. Uh, director James Gunn uh, was answering, you know, I'm, he's obviously at home like we all are. <laughs> and so he was jumping on Twitter and he was actually doing some direct answers to some questions on Twitter. And I'll kind of go through these kind of in random order. He was asked, um, you know, how, how would you describe your take on Harley Quinn? And he answered, his answer was exploding Paul Dini-esque. Uh, and he carbon copied Paul Dini. Uh, he was asked, uh, what rating will the Suicide Squad have? Uh, you know, does he have any idea yet? And he says, oh, yes, I know, but I can't say yet. So <laughs> yeah, and apparently his favorite video game of all time is Knights of the Old Republic. So. <laughs> which That's a pretty good game. That's, that's a good cool. game. Yeah. Um, the last one, which was, I, I think, probably his most intriguing answer. He was asked, what actor or actress do you think will have the most screen time once the Suicide Squad is complete? Or can you not say? And he's, and James Gunn said, I would consider answering this question a pretty sizable spoiler. I guess, I mean, the reason it'd be a pretty sizable spoiler is like, okay, who survives, right? Who survives, <laughs> right. Because obviously they're going to have screen the most time. screen time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's probably not going to be arm fall off boy. <laughs> no. Which is one of the rumored uh, characters. Uh, and apparently, talking about Black Adam, another <laughs> one of those movies. <laughs> it's another one. Uh, even Dwayne Johnson doesn't know if they're going to be able to start production on time or when it will be delayed. Like basically, Dwayne Johnson doesn't even know. Yeah. So if Dwayne Don, if Dwayne Johnson doesn't know, we don't know. No, nobody knows anything at this point. <laughs> so yeah, that's another one that's going to be affected. Um, did you happen to watch uh, David Sandberg's uh, watch party for Shazam? No, I missed that. Like I, I caught like in the middle of it that it was happening, but it was one of those that I I was in the middle of something. So even though I saw it was happening, it wasn't like I could jump in and join. Like so, no. No, um, I was bummed because you know me. I I actually liked Shaz- I liked Shazam a lot more than you did. So like that would have been something that I totally would have loved to have done. I would have watched a commentary on it for sure. I I would have that would have been pretty enjoyable. Um, at least like a little watch party with him, just kind of like giving out little other secrets and all. I that. still I still need to watch my iTunes copy that actually has the commentary yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah. So I and I'm gonna go ahead and pull up an article. This was actually put together by Russ Berlin Game with ComicBook.com, and and he kind of summarized uh, some of the things that David Sandberg revealed. And I'm just gonna go ahead and kind of read through this because I haven't I haven't fully read this article and we'll kind of comment on some of the stuff. Um, he said, I've seen various theories about why we didn't have the typical DC logo with characters. Truth is, I forgot. <laughs> He said, it's a lot to think about when making a movie. Some people don't believe that. The studio would have, and he says, quote, the studio would have said something. And he says, well, they didn't. <laughs> I love the honesty there. <laughs> That's why we didn't get that opening. That's the thing I love about Sandberg. Yeah. That's what I love about Sandberg is that he's just like, he just puts it all out there. Yeah. Uh, somebody asked, you know, hey, David, uh, did you always plan on casting the amazing John Glover as Savannah's father? And he says, I find it great that he's both Lex's father in Smallville and Savannah's. And then David Sandberg said he didn't come on board until reshoots originally old and young dad were different actors but audiences were confused so we had john play both he's awesome by the way 
Imagine when I was a kid and saw Gremlins 2 that one day that I'd work with this guy. <laughs> That's kind of cool. I love John Glover. Yeah. You know, for me, it, for me though, it's always been the fact that, you know, before even before Lex Luthor, the fact that he was the voice of the Riddler on Batman the Animated Series. Right, right. Yeah. So I, I, I find it interesting. And I've always kind of wondered about this thing because we, we actually talked this about this with Billy's mother. I remember we had yes. this conversation because we, I said, like, it'd be kind of nice if, like, she didn't look exactly the same. Well, apparently with his father here, apparently, or no, with not his father, with um Savannah's father. Originally, they had different actors for the old and young dad, and then it just confused audiences. <laughs> so that's why they ended up redoing the reshoots and using the same actor. So, so curious, wh- which one was John originally playing? The young version or the old version? That's the, that's that's my question. Well, I'm sure. Um, well, I'm guessing the older one. I don't know. So the question, I guess, was was the boardroom a reshoot or was the car scene a reshoot? I'm assuming the car scene was a reshoot. Yeah, uh-huh. that would be my guess. I think that would be my guess too because John's an older man. Yeah. He's an older man. <laughs> you don't need to bring that up. <laughs> uh, here's another one. Um, he, he brought up, and and we knew about this. I think we even talked about it, but the Annabelle doll was in the pawn shop. The pawn shop. Yeah, the pawn shop that uh, that Billy trapped those two police officers in. Oh, okay. Yeah, now I have to go back and look. Now yeah. that I know where to look for the Annabelle doll. Yeah, okay. yeah there was an Annabelle doll. Uh, he talked about how he was actually, David Sandberg talked about how he was actually at a convenience store in Hamilton, and I'm not sure where Hamilton is, but he said behind the counter, they had bootleg DVDs. They even had one of my films. So I signed it with my bootleg name, <laughs> which his bootleg name is David F. Sandberg. <laughs> Wait, what is his bootleg name? David? Oh, he D A V E D. D A V E D. So that's what he did. <laughs> oh, so that's kind of funny. He signed his own bootleg. <laughs> uh, he talked about uh, the graffiti that they had in the film. He says there was a lot of there was a ton of cool graffiti in Toronto, but you can't use it unless you can find the artist and get permission. So they actually had a lot. They had to add a lot of temporary graffiti uh, for their town. I just find it fascinating. So like if if somebody illegally, I assume, puts graffiti on a structure and they use it in a film, they're not allowed to show it unless they actually find and get approval from the so-called artist who did it because it's copyrighted because it's copyrighted Isn't it's copyrighted amazing? right yeah because it's his intellectual it's graffiti <laughs> but it's still artwork so it's intellectual property oh, i love it isn't that's, that crazy that's, that's one of the craziest crazy. things i've ever heard <laughs> Oh, man. So that's kind of funny. Well, it's probably good, too, because, I mean, you don't, I guess in some ways, you don't really want to promote. Well, you don't know what the art actually means. Like, if it's, You don't know what it means, and you don't want to promote somebody else's art, you know, some graffiti art in a film, I guess, if, you know, of a particular artist. But still, I, but but technically, legally, it's copyrighted. Because when you produce it, it, as far as U.S. copyright law is concerned, once you produce it, the copyright goes into effect. Yeah, right. Uh, he talked about the concept art. Uh, he said a lot of the concept art for Shazam's speed effect was very... Very similar to the flashes, but he said he wanted to have something really simple, which I thought that was one of the things that was a little bit interesting about his speed, you know, because and I think I even commented on it. It was like just a yellow streak, like a really solid yellow. Right, streak. you complained about it, and I liked it. So yeah, I mean, it, but it was definitely different. So I can I can understand the thinking there, like it's saying, hey, they've already got this other effect, and like I need to do something different. So so I I understand I understand what he did, what he did. Um, David Sandberg revealed that the robbery scene, and I'm assuming in the little uh, convenience store, is probably his favorite in the entire whole movie. I, I, I can it's, agree it's with that. It's a fun scene. It's a fun scene. It's a fun scene. scene. Yeah, yeah. It, it, made, it made great fodder for the trailers, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Um, he talked about some of the beer. <laughs> it's one of the little diesels that we probably couldn't see on the screen, but like the the beer that was on the shelf is called Bars, which is Swedish slang for beer. And he says, because I'm Swedish, and it's obvious. <laughs> 
Um, he showed this picture of uh, some props. He says, you know, he says, getting to pick what guns the robbers should use. And it shows a picture of him, like, looking at all these, like, prop guns kind of laid out. And he says, I decided to keep it reasonable. <laughs> so, like, he had these, like, I don't know. You, you're the gun person. So what are all these, like, guns that we have on this table? Oh, I, I don't have the article pulled up. So oh. I need to look at the picture. You, you, you didn't prepare me for this. Like, I need visuals. Let me let me look at this. Okay. Freaking, we've been doing this for four years. Like, I need to tell you to be prepared. Seriously? Yes, you do. You actually have to tell me to be prepared. Uh, let's see, applying some graffiti, nothing flashy. The robbery scene. Oh, yeah, guns. Okay. Oh, my. Well, we have a shotgun. We have <laughs> um, some uh, We have some semi-automatic rifles. Yes. And then, of course, we've got, you know, six shooters. And, you know, once again, semi-automatics where you have a, a magazine. Yeah. So. And then you have a dog in the background standing on top of the table. I don't know if you realize that. Oh, my God. You're right. There <laughs> There's is a, a tiny little dog there. Yeah. Tiny little dog there. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple different shotguns. Yeah. See there. Yeah. They probably just went with the. I can't remember. They went with the one with the magazine, or they went with the one that's you know the more like the you know the six shooter. I don't remember. <laughs> I've only seen the film twice. So all right. Uh, David F. Sandberg also talked about his scene that he loved shooting, which was of course the boardroom scene. Of course, that was the most <laughs> horror thing in the movie. That was the one they went. Oh, that was Sandberg. Yep. And it's also the scene why I can't show that film to my kids. <laughs> uh, they have yet to see it. I I it was I, like I may just like show it to and just skip over that scene because I think the rest of it I don't know they they still make it a little freaked out by some of the monsters um well have you have you seen on voodoo they do a thing called family watch or yeah. family play yeah have, I'd be interested to know what it cut if you enable that I'd be very interested to see what it cuts out is this is this film uh part of that group you know what if you're going to ask me that question I will look it up and once again if you're gonna if you're gonna serve it up you should actually be a prepared to answer I hate Wonder Woman is I know that oh is it okay yes let me see. So what Scott's referring to is Voodoo does this thing where, like, you know, if you go ahead and own all these films, I think they, last time I checked, they had, like, 500 films they're doing this with. Yep, watch this with Family Play. Okay, so they have something called Family Play, which basically they kind of will censor parts of the film to make it a little bit more. It's like watching, it's like when we used to watch movies on, like, TV. <laughs> Just like, like what we TV, talked about, yeah. It's the TV edit. <laughs> it's the TV edit, you know. Like, it's, when we've talked about this before, I can't remember where we talked about it, but, like, so many times, like, growing up, like, we would see these films and, like, we would know these films well because it was, we saw it on TV. And then we actually own the film one day and we actually watch it and go, oh, I don't remember that. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, here it is. Family play lets you skip past or mute strong scenes of sexuality, violence, substance abuse, and language. Customize categories based on your preferences and turn them on or off at any time. Okay. Oh, I like that. Yeah. It, it, it's not a bl- it's not a blanket. They like, give you some control. They give you some control of what, y- what you're okay with and what you're not okay with. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's very cool. <laughs> yeah, this, this is the dads going, oh, this is kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, these are the dads with kids. And we're like, oh, okay, I can't show them this yet. Oh. <laughs> uh, and then uh, David Sandberg showed a little video of like uh, him dropping that uh, that vehicle down. He has a nice slow motion of where the uh, pickup truck was actually dropped down in front of the school. Oh, yeah, the bully's pickup truck. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So he says, it's pretty crazy what you get to do when you make movies. So, so that was kind of cool. He actually had this. He says, he said he found this work in progress of Lotta Lostin's death. His, his wife. Yeah. <laughs> so which is his wife and it shows an even but be- even better how gruesome her death really is and so it's it's this little animation showing this transformation of her skin turning into like a little skeleton and then the next fun thing was him getting to drop the bus yep yep getting to drop the bus i think he said something like they had three buses that they had to do the scene uh, four or five was it four actually. or five okay yes oh. and then certain scenes was only half a bus yeah okay <laughs> oh and he showed the behind the scenes of that epic shot of when billy jumps off 
the roof and screams Shazam. And yeah, that one's flies pretty Flies cool. away. Yep, so that was all done against a blue screen. He, he said, look at Asher nearly kicking himself in the back for that shot. He, he did a great job on it. He did that a great job. That's, I, I still think that's one of the best DCEU shots uh, that we've had in all the films is that Billy Batson jumping off and then getting struck by the lightning. That's a great shot. Uh, the the Seven Deadly Sin statues had real light-up eyes. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, so yeah, so it was pretty cool. Uh, I don't know if there was anything else. What is this? Oh, my gosh. What is this? Here are two of the sins, the way they looked on set. Oh, my God. They, the look, like te- they look like Teletubbies. <laughs> or, well, one of them looks like a potato. Like a potato, yeah. I mean, it's probably the best accurate, most accurate way to describe it. Um, oh, my goodness. So, yeah. So uh, Oh, and then he has the, the picture of, um, he said that he played all three crocodile men. And this is the one where he had to bend his head way down. He's actually got video of it. Oh, my goodness. Well, I, oh, he's just, it's just fun. Yeah. No, he was, he was a, he was definitely a fun director to watch. Oh, and then here's the other one. It says, not seen in the movie, but the crocodiles playing poker have a painting of humans playing poker. <laughs> and he says, the art, par- art department made one of them look like me. It's another prop I wish I'd kept. <laughs> so who's got that prop right now? I know. Who who walked away with that? Yeah. That's the question. Uh, so anyway, that, that was pretty fun. Uh, so that was a kind of a nice job by uh, comicbook.com, just kind of compiling those things together. Because I, I certainly didn't have time to sit there and watch it. And I wasn't going to sit there and try to sort through all of his comments on it. But yeah, he's he, he's such a fun director. Like, I mean, I'm, I, it may not be my favorite film of the DC shared universe and all that. But like uh, in terms of like watching him, you know, as we were kind of leading up to the movie, like he was such a fun guy to just follow. And he continues to be like, I still have his like notifications. Like when he sends stuff like, you know, it lights up the notifications on my phone because I, I figure it's usually something pretty good. Um, you know, before we move on and get ready to kind of close this thing out, uh, David Ayer, uh, who is also, I presume, home, <laughs> like all of us right now, uh, was also answering some tweets. And, and I want to bring this one up because this answers something that we've all been, you know, it's been a question mark in our head about something that we saw in Suicide Squad. Uh, somebody had asked, it says, you know, what's, what is it with Joker in the baby clothes? Did they kill some babies off screen? And David Ayer responded, no, it's more innocent. Harley wanted a normal family with Joker, hence the baby and her vision. I figure that she would have endlessly pestered Mr. J about having a kid. So he had Mr. Frost buy some onesies. The circle represents how he sees Harley. <laughs> okay. Okay. So it's kind of, uh, like, that was creepy at the time. You know, I remember seeing in film, like, why are these little baby clothes? <laughs> yeah. Like, it, he also explained the uh, Sharpie on his face, too. He said that Joker was so down about Harley being gone that he couldn't smile, so he drew a smile on his face. Yeah, yeah. So that's cool. Cool little details. I love that some of the stuff is kind of coming out. Um, but we have some sad news uh, moving over to the DC TV side. And this one, I'm sorry, but this one is kind of genuinely sad. Um, we lost a young actor named Logan Williams. He was 16. He was 16 years old. And it, I mean, it's the thing is, like, he's 16, but like, he was actually eight, I think, when we first saw him. I, I think that's about right, right? Maybe about eight uh, or nine, eight or nine years old. Yes, we first he saw played him. he played young Barry Allen on yeah. the CW's The Flash. So the little boy that we see in the very first episode, yep. and we continue to see in flashbacks, that young man has passed away this week. Passed away. Now it was, you know, we have no idea what it is, but it was described as sudden by the family. And whenever something like that's described that way, that's usually not a really good thing. When, when, when they don't, when they don't tell you what the cause of death is, when they don't tell you the cause of death, or when they don't say like, you know, oh, we lost him tragically, that kind of thing. Like when it's saying sudden, it's, it's, you know, it's just usually not a great thing. So it just feel terrible for, you know, I guess it's certainly at this point for the family that they're going through this thing. But it's, it's tough because I mean, I've, I've watched that first episode many times. So it's like, I have that kid's like, you know, I have that kid's like face, you know, uh, embedded in my memory because it was, it was actually so well done. And it's just, 
it's so tragic. So who knows, you know, what happened with uh, young Logan, but I mean, certainly pretty sad for sure. Um, but what if, I want to ask you this. Did you see the Susan Eisenberg tweet? Yeah, I did. I saw it and then I saw people freaking out about it. And then I did the thing that I always do, which is then I start, look, I go through the thread. Yeah. And then I look for other things like, ah, context. There we go. But I do want to go back to the original tweet. Literally the original tweet, which is just showing. It's the opening credit scene from, it's the opening credit sequence for Justice League, the cartoon. And you got the seven Just Leaguers all in silhouette with the nice, beautiful, kind of like reddish oranges. You know? Yeah. Da, 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 da. It's just a, it's just a da, gif da, of I that. Mean, I have the theme playing in my right. head right now. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. But this is why I'm just like so intrigued by this tweet because uh, she's she puts in the text 2021. Okay, like that's a very specific thing to do. And she later kind of I, I and I say kind of backtracks a little bit. But she says, okay, let's just calm down. I posted this because one, I think we need heroes right now, and two, 2021 will be our 20th anniversary, which I believe would be the perfect time for a Justice League reunion. Right, which is the hashtag jail reunion has been going on for like a couple of years now. Yeah, so I don't know. It could be it could be nothing, but I mean, in terms of like, if you were going to do some original content, oh, I mean, if, if you're willing to do you know, uh, Young Justice, you certainly would be... See, but I, I, I'm I going to, I'm going to have a hot take, Tim. Okay, hot take it. I don't want them to continue this series. <sighs> I don't and let know. me tell you why. Okay, let me tell, tell, me, you tell why. me, tell me why. Okay, one, I already felt like, now, have you seen Justice League Unlimited, Justice League and Justice League Unlimited? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. You remember the episode? It, it Technically, it gets boxed as season one, but technically it was season one, season two, because it, it was the, because season two was the one that had the Cadmus arc. Right. And it ends on that episode epilogue, you know, the yeah. Batman Beyond episode. That was supposed to, be, the reason it was called epilogue was because that was supposed to be the end of the show. The entire third season with the Legion of Doom was, and you listen to the, was basically the studio told Bruce Timm, Paul Dini, Alan Burnett, that whole crew. No, we need another season. So the whole Legion of Doom season was an add-on anyway. The, so story-wise, they wanted to end on epilogue, yeah. which I thought would have been a great wrap-up to the entire DC animated universe. And then they tack on the second season, the third season, technically the third season, which has some great moments in it, or especially that Superman Dark Side fight in the right. final episode. Yeah, you know the whole I. Uh, the world is card. You know that great monologue of the world is like cardboard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I don't and know. And then, there, and then there's a hero shot at the end of that episode because that was the final episode. I just like just let just just let it let it be. Let it be. That's <laughs> what I say. I don't know. Yeah. I, look, I I understand where you're coming from, but I also think like that was still some of you know I I still think that's one of the best DC animated shows that's been ever put out. And I just kind of feel like like if you were gonna try to create new content try to draw people to let's say dc universe or maybe even you know hbo max who knows we don't know what their plans are uh, to me that would be a good one because i mean there's a ton of people and we talk about this all the time scott when we talk about like you know batman the animated series just created so many batman fans that are out there raising my hand you're raising I mean, your hand like I so, mean, yeah <laughs> so i mean there's a ton of people that probably you know that was their thing like you know you know justice League. it was my thing so i mean what i'm saying is like there's there's a there's a corner of the universe there, you know, that would be interested in this kind of content. Yeah, I, no, I'm not saying I wouldn't be interested. Like, would I watch it? Okay, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah I'd watch it. But it, but I I still I like the idea that there was an ending. Yeah, eh, fair um, enough. We'll see what they do. Yeah, let's talk about something else that we hope is not ending, which yeah. is comic books. Yeah, holy because, cow. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was already kind of detached from this anyway, only because you know we, 
it was well documented on this show about the death of my comic book store yep. and the end of my the the effective end of my comic book collecting. I still do some mail order stuff for like mini series, but as far as monthly titles go, I oh know I'm 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 done, and I'm so behind anyway. DC Universe will keep me will, will keep me going yep. forever. I mean, I, I've been catching up on stuff that I actually own the physical books for, and DC Universe just gave me the opportunity to bag and board those books and just read them on my iPad. Yeah, but you know, this week has been like every day there's been a new article kind of uh, talking about what's happening. You know, first, well, the stores can't be open to buy the comics, to buy the physical comic books. And that also means that no one can go to work to actually print them, ship them, do all that stuff. And there was an announcement by DC on Monday that they were still going to be releasing comic books digitally. And then they clarified that to say, we're releasing things digitally that either A, were digital only anyway, and there was no uh, accompanying physical release or collected editions, which can be printed and sold through, you know, bookstores and, and, and do not, are not the exclusive purview of the direct market. So DC was just going to keep on releasing their digital only stuff. Cause like I bought Batman, the adventures continue, you know, I, I, I did buy that. Then diamond distribution, you know, the, the monopoly that that is, uh, says that they are now withholding payments to the vendors, meaning the publishers, because they can't receive consistent payments from their customers, which are the comic book stores. So Diamond's not getting money from the comic book stores, so Diamond's not sending money to the publishers. Yeah. And Diamond is headquartered in Maryland, which is under a stay-at-home order, which at this point, pretty much everyone in the United States is under a stay-at-home order. Yeah. And then this, of course, brings up the interesting thing that for the first time in history, there is not going to be a new comic book day. Yeah. And, th- and we're talking, we've gone through World War II. <laughs> we've gone through 9-11. Right. We've gone through v- what have you. Yeah. And there's always been a new comic book day. And this is the first time that the comic book industry is going on hold. We went through the 90s bust yeah. and there were still comic books being published. I mean, it was a different era back then because we didn't have as much competing entertainment interests. Well, we also, we also, we've also worked our way into the direct market is the sole way you get comic books. You know, it's yeah. not like back in my day when you could go to a drugstore, a grocery store, or a Walmart and get a comic book. Now you, now the industry, in my opinion, has kind of screwed themselves mm-hmm. by going to the uh, direct market model, which is really interesting because I've been reading this book about Marvel Comics, The Untold Story and, I, I, and I'm watching this like I'm just reading about this being birthed. Yeah, right. And, and I'm reading this going, don't do it! Don't do it! Yeah, and I've said this for a long time too, like I always kind of felt like the direct market was one of the, the biggest things that just really kind of like hampered the industry from really continuing to grow. And between that and making Diamond Distributors the basically the monopoly of, yep. if you want your comic books, you gotta go through Diamond. Yeah, well, and that's just it too, and I mentioned this recently, like, you know, just for me, even going to get a comic book and, and I live in, you know, a bigger town uh, in the South Bend area. And it's it. I still have to drive like 25 minutes just to get to the, the comic shop, <laughs> you know, close to where I live. So like even even me who has access to one, it's 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 a pain in the butt. Right. And can you imagine all these people. I mean, the vast majority of people. Well, not the vast majority, but like a huge chunk of the population. 
population does not live in a in a well populated area, right? So like you have all these potential readers out there that just can't they can't self support the industry. So it's like to me, it's like digital was always the way to go because you know that that opens it up that anybody in the entire world can can help support the industry, right? So I, I'm I kind of feel like this might be the thing that finally pushes it that way, hoping it's not too late. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, this kind of like what we've talked about with movies. Mm-hmm. This is this is a wonderful time for the digital market to really, you know, thrive, except for the fact that with contracts in place that really talk about, you know, I think it's been noted that writers and artists tend to get screwed out of the digital sales versus right. physical sales. So this this is another one of those, are we going to be in a new world order when this is all over with? Because, you know, if the publishers were still releasing solely digitally, people could still get their comic books. Right. Oh, man. Everything's being just taken and shaken up in this world right now, isn't it? Well, and, and you were mentioning off air that, I mean, this is like DC Universe's time to shine. It is, with, yeah. You know, between that and, you know, and the people who talk about having Marvel Unlimited and how they're like, I have never gotten as much use out of my subscription as I'm getting out of it right now. Like, this is the time. Yeah, I mean, DC, with everybody being home, like, DC should, and I'm not saying DC, but like even the parent company, like, they should be trying to draw people into DC Universe right now. Because it has a very affordable monthly price. It's a very affordable monthly price, for one thing. But secondly, it's like, you know, once people sign up for things, like, people tend to kind of stay with it for a while, right? Right. You know, they sign up and they forget about it. They're yeah. like, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a thing I do. And I'm going to tell you right now, you know, the, the people at DC and at Marvel and all these other companies, like, they realize they need to be able to access as, m- as many possible people as possible to sell their product to, right? And if Diamond and, like, comic book shops has been something that has kind of limited their ability to reach certain customers, like, this is the time to do it. Like, they need to they need to do something bold here and try to make a move and try to get people to move over to this medium. It, it just, yeah. it seems to me, it's like, this is their time to to try to do something to help get this industry to survive. And right. and this is like, like with the film industry, this is kind of like pushing them into, you know, into territory, which surely they've been thinking about over the years. And they've probably got some business models in place. They haven't executed them, but like, now's the time to do it. See if they can see if they can bring those people over because they're just going to have so many more people that can, like I said, help support the business. And uh, and I hope they do something here soon because um, I would really hate to see anything happen to this. I mean, this is, you know, this is something we all grew up loving, right? So right. I'd hate to see anything happen where this industry would falter and just, you know, and just go away. Right. We, we don't, we, this does not, I, I should not be a witness to the death of the comic book. No, definitely not. Definitely not. So anyway, uh, so guys, if you know of anyone that's looking for something to help occupy their time while they're at home, recommend DC Universe. That would be my yep. recommendation. So. All right, Scott. A lot of mixed news this week, but you know, <laughs> we're just this we're, was definitely a potpourri episode. It was a potpourri. We're we're just like you. We're trying to get through this, and we'll, we'll continue to you know bring you content as long as we can uh, as we all get through this tough time. So we want to thank you guys for you know tuning into this week. Uh, I mean, tuning into this week. Yep, yeah. I would say it's been kind of fun. The conversation. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach out. You can contact us and. Twitter at DC Film Squadcast. You can find me on Twitter at Alan Fire. You can find me at Scott DC27. Of course, you can email the show at DC Film Squadcast at gmail.com. We love interacting with you. So, as we always remind you, Twitter is yeah. going to get you a faster return than email. Oh, yeah. Just, just, just saying. <laughs> um, honest. Uh, and of course, we're on Vero, Facebook, and of course, our website, squadcastmedia.com. And we know times are tough, but we really appreciate those who can still hang in there and help us out over at patreon.com squadcastmedia. It really means a lot to us. 
it really we, does. We we do not take this lightly. Trust me. No, we definitely we definitely don't. And and trust us, we we give back as much as we possibly can. Uh, you know, for those that are able to support. I actually saw like on the Patreon app now. It actually tells us. Uh, it'll tell you how much content's out there. Uh, we're coming close to three hundred. I thought we were. I thought we were close to it. I just didn't know the number exactly. But yeah, we're coming close to three hundred pieces of content that you can get on our uh, Squadcast Media site through Patreon. I mean, you know, I, I do have I do have to appreciate, however, the Holy Batcast said the irony: podcasters have more time than ever to record content, but people have less time to listen to content. <laughs> right? I don't know. Isn't that crazy? If that's you, um, if that's not you, if you're like I have all the time in the world, we ha- man, do we have a bargain for you? Yeah. So, and again, you know, we understand times are tight. If you've always been interested in supporting, or if you're if you're unable to support, I mean, you could always jump in for a month and then listen to everything and then jump out. We completely understand. We understand. We understand. All right, guys. Well, that's it for this week. We want to thank you to all you listeners who tuned in once again. Uh, and we would encourage you to go out. Keep reading DC. Don't go out. Stop. Stop. <laughs> go stay at home. Stay I was waiting for you to do that. home. I was waiting for you DC. to do it. Yeah, stay at home. Read DC on DC Universe if you can. It's a great way to get your DC books. All right, guys. Bye. See ya. <laughs>